The Magic Book Club with Benson's for Beds. Hello and welcome along to a very special festive edition of the Magic Book Club podcast. It's not just me wobbling on, it's also... Oh, mate, I've waited all year for this. The the Book Club podcast, the two of us together, makes me very happy. If you are suitably festive, then shall we begin? Uh, Let us begin, Emma. I am ready. All right, then. So, everybody, just sit back, relax, and we are going to take you through our top 10 picks for book gift giving this year. Okay, so, you know, for those people in your life who love a book, this is our guide. And you never know, we might even spy a special guest or two. Okay, Emma B, are you ready to kick off this lovely Christmas gifting guide, this wonderful service we're offering people, telling them what to buy for Christmas for people? I most certainly am. Ho, ho, ho. I'm going to start with uh, perhaps the hardest gift recipient of all, okay? Yeah. The office colleague. <gasps> oh, dear. It's tricky. We, you never know each other that well. I mean, you know, I, I know we do, but sometimes the office colleague, it can go either way, you know, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. You can go either way. And we obviously haven't seen a lot of our colleagues this year, but I think a lot of people are doing things like Secret Santa uh, remotely. So, you know, you still need to have a bit of a think about what to get for an office colleague. And I think this is going to be perfect for a friend in the office. Bosch, how to live vegan. I love these two um, and they started off doing sort of Instagram posts um, uh, ages ago but they used to just post all these fantastic recipes on Instagram and what you could do is you, you could see me sometimes walking around the supermarket watching a Bosch IGTV little video post grabbing the ingredients <laughs> as you go and you get home and put it all together and just, I mean I'm not even a vegan I'm not vegan I'm curious um, but they make something that for, for a meat eater like me has seemed t- terrifying really really easy and the the things that you can do it's incredible it's amazing the leaps that have been made in the last couple of years with vegan well it's vegetarian food initially a couple of years ago but now it's vegan stuff it's just so great that you can eat that stuff and know that it's completely plant-based and even if you don't want to go full-on vegan or full-on vegetarian yeah to have that choice yeah 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 what's great about these guys as well is it doesn't involve you going to special health food stores or you know stores where you have to buy ingredients from you know that you've never heard of before it's not all Mm. tofu based um but i mean i made the most incredible beetroot risotto from them the other day with some asparagus spears they love a bit of beetroot don't they 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 do it blew the socks off my husband he was like that what really Okay, good. So that's Bosch, How to yes. Live Vegan. Uh, that's in at number 10. But this is, no, this is no order of preference, is it, Emma? We're not doing like a countdown of our favourites. We're just doing 10 recommendations, right? Absolutely, absolutely. No particular order, uh, which is why it brings us to number nine, um, mm-hmm. the incredible Catelyn Moran and More Than a Woman. I love her. I know I you do. Her. That's all have I've you, got to offer up. I have, you just... ever, have you ever been tweeted back by her? <sighs> she <laughs> is. You know when... Um, in The Crown. You know when Maggie Thatcher arrives in Series 4 of The Crown and she meets the Queen and she does this enormous curtsy, which is absurd. Yeah. It takes about yes. six minutes for her to lower herself to almost to the floor, prostrate on the floor to the, in front of the Queen. Catelyn Moran is my Twitter Queen. If I meet Catelyn Moran, I will do exactly that curtsy and bow, whatever it is, because I worship the very ground she walks on. She's amazing on Twitter, but also she's such a great thinker. She's such a great thinker. I love her words. I love her thoughts. 
She's um, I, I've not read this, but I've not read this one, but um, I did read How to Be a Woman. Um, and I remember sort of saying to my friends, you've got to get this. But I nearly fell out of bed laughing. That's what I tend to do most of my reading in bed. And I was I was laughing so hard, I nearly fell out of bed. So if yes. that's anything to go by, and of course, all the stuff that she's done for telly and her Twitter and her writing and everything, she's a complete genius. I say that about Twitter as well, because a friend of mine did tweet her once and she replied. And that's all we heard. That's all <laughs> we heard about for the next month and a half <laughs> that was it nothing else interesting Catelyn Moran yeah. tweeted me back I think that'll go on my CV straight away no she's brilliant <laughs> and this uh this book more than a woman it catches up with sort of where she left off 10 years ago uh, okay which is when she did how to be a woman which I just loved I remember reading that and I just turned well, however old I was 30 I think it was and I loved right. it, it kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're welcome um it just sort of was the beginning of the problem is you can't really talk about being woke without it being a criticism, but it was the beginning of an awakening for me in terms of feminism and in terms of equality and lots and lots of things. And I know I'm sounding a bit too sort of pathetic and... and no, um, for sure. Right on. But it was, her, she was a massive, massive part for me. In that. I was doing a lot of comedy at the time, lots of sitcoms and stuff. And it was reading her book that I then took put those sort of feminist goggles on, which she had taught me to wear in a way. And I remember looking at loads of scripts I'd been in and suddenly seeing that every single woman in all of these sitcom scripts I've been in yeah. was either one of was one of three stereotypes every single time without fail. And it was just, it, it, this is why I get annoyed about woke being taken down as a phrase because it was mm. like waking up and going, oh my God, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a sort of slightly serious side to a brilliant writer who is funny, but also through the humour brings in these amazing thoughts sort of um, sort of by stealth, doesn't she? She's a game changer, for sure. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, now, um, I don't know about you in the Price household over Christmas with your lovely family. Do you play games? Do you do puzzles over Christmas? Yeah, we definitely, we like to do a puzzle. We like yeah. to do a little bit of, um, tr we like a treasure hunt. Ah, <laughs> do you Love. write little clues? Yeah, we write little clues for the kids. And my littlest one is, you can read now. So we just, like, his clues are just one word. So it'll just say dog. <laughs> Polly! And, and, yeah, exactly. Then underneath the dog is a treat, which the dog has already eaten. So <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah, what, what, what are the traditions in the in the bee household, please? Um, so there's only one, and it comes from my husband's side of the family, that we play the cereal packet game. So bear with me. It's all right. It's not shocking. It's a family show, I know. <laughs> so <laughs> which involves an empty cereal packet, right, that gets slowly cut down to get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and you have to pick it up with your teeth and you're not allowed to so you have to bend down you're not allowed to use your hands you're not allowed to use your hands to steady yourself on the ground you're not allowed to kneel you have to bend down and pick it up with your teeth and what? like year after year after year after year my mother-in-law wins and she's in her 70s <laughs> i say that tom because at number eight it's the Tower of London puzzle book by the brilliant Sinclair Mackay. Um, and uh, I spoke to Sinclair earlier on in the year about his Scotland Yard puzzle book. Oh, oh. goodness me. Oh, my goodness me. The man is a minefield. He's, a, he's an absolute, he's, his brain is yeah. a kind of brain that I just, I have nothing in common with whatsoever. Well, I mean, of course he's got a big brain. He's called Sinclair. Anyone called Sinclair is going to have a massive brain. Do you know what I mean? Equally, anyone called Tom, tiny 
teeny tiny brain. But Sinclair, <laughs> he's a he's a bright guy. But it's a it, tell us about that book then. You chatted to him earlier on in the year, and this was a book of puzzles that he published earlier on in the year, right? Yeah, and it was it was a book of pu- uh, puzzles that were wrapped around actual unsolved cases from Scotland Yard. And in order to be able to research this book, they let Sinclair into in, into the the vaults of Scotland Yard uh, cases. He spent weeks and weeks and weeks going through all these files, and oh. it was absolutely amazing. So uh, so you you can be sort of detective yourself. You can be your own Sherlock Holmes. And he takes what? you through these cases uh, and also then sets you sort of tasks along the way as well to help you kind of put it all together. It's brilliant. It's really fun. Oh, there's someone knocking at the door. Hi, Tom and Emma. Very happy Christmas to you indeed. I'm Sinclair Mackay and I'm the author of The Tower of London Puzzle Book. And I've got a Tower of London puzzle for you. Now, just the introduction to it is that the Tower, obviously, across its thousand years, has had a lot of very famous prisoners, some rather brilliant prisoners too, Walter Raleigh, the Earl of Northumberland. And there was a prisoner called Thomas Wyatt, who was an ambassador, rumoured lover of Anne Boleyn, and also a rather brilliant poet. He wrote poetry which contained riddles, and the puzzle is this, a very short poem which is a riddle. See if you can solve it. A lady gave me a gift she had not, and I received her gift I took not. She gave it me willingly, Mm -hmm. and yet she would not, and I received it, albeit I could not. If she gave it me, I forced not, and if she take it again, she cares not. Consider what this is, and tell me. Oh, come on. For I am fast sworn, I may not, by Thomas Wyatt. So what then was this extraordinary gift that is neither given nor received? I I mean, so what's going to happen now is... I was going to say, is it, is it Woolworth's vouchers? That's the only one I had. <laughs> I think it might be, uh, what about that Sussex pond pudding uh, that dates back to medieval times that Prue Leith made them all? That, it could be that, or plague. I mean, I mean pudding or plague, uh, you know. Whenever, I'd like, I would like to suggest an actual genuine take on it. Do you, ha- do you have a genuine take on it, Emma? Do you have an idea as to what it might be? I, I, it feels like it might be something like a, a heart my love or uh, my heart not an actual physical heart that you yeah, might raise you for example with some with some liver Big or kidneys and onions you. for for a few hours just like the you know the concept my love my heart myself give to my myself oh, no. oh myself that's it might that could be it it's got to be something abstract, hasn't it? I yes. was wondering was it is it the gift of life so a lady gave me oh. a gift i.e. my mum yes so my mother gave me the gift of life which she couldn't take away or something i don't oh, know see, I, I... you probably nailed it we'll find out later Time now for number seven in our wonderful list of gifts to buy for certain people in your life. So this is one for the maybe the dad, the cousin, the eccentric uncle. Um, it is the brilliant Bill Bailey and his remarkable guide. Um, Bill Bailey is rapidly becoming a national treasure. Who knows where you are at um, on Strictly right now, uh, but he's doing very well. At the time of recording this, he's doing very well, and we all love him. Uh, the book is called uh, The Remarkable Guide to Happiness, and it's the feel-good book of the year. And he just he just does make you happy. He's got a fantastic turn of phrase. He is ever so funny. It's full of great facts, and it's one of those books, every page, you're going to laugh half a dozen times per page. That is my, that is my guarantee to you. <laughs> I think it's 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 just 
fits so well, doesn't it? Because what Bill Bailey has brought to Strictly this time is this, like, he's so sort of self-assured and happy in his skin and he's not, you know, he's just really, he's just really enjoyed the journey. Um, Mm. And, you know, all those lovely stories that he's told about, you know, how his mum danced and uh, she was a ballroom dancer, wasn't she? And uh, it's just all, it is just, it wraps you. It's watching him on Strictly has just wrapped you in that ready break glow um and i think this book probably tries to do the same thing doesn't it yes exactly right exactly right he's he is um he's an engine of glow he really is he's wonderful and uh i cannot recommend this book enough and you know if for no other reason than just to look on your uncle's face on christmas day when he opens (laughs) this book and it's just it's but it's because it's bill bailey's face he's got a funny face emma uh bill bailey's remarkable gift there you are that is at number seven on our list well perfectly done perfectly done tom because that takes us nicely and neatly into book number six now, I'm going to be really honest about this, okay? I did not expect to like this book very much, okay? I didn't, and I don't know why. It was about, I think, largely because it's about people younger than me. Um, so... <laughs> I mean, you're, you're really limiting your options, Emma, if you only like books. All right, steady. Um, it turns out I loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And this is Dolly Alderton and her brilliant ghosts. Uh, if you have entered or dabbled in the world of online dating, you'll be much more, I guess, au fait with the term ghosting, uh, which no. I, I didn't, I'd never really heard of it. Because thankfully, I'm so old that I've never had to go through uh, the hell of online dating. But she uh, takes us through this, this, this part of this young girl. It is absolutely perfect for the millennial romantic. And I think it was just, it's, she's such a brilliant writer. It's so funny. There's some great characters. There's lots of loves. Uh, but there's also, you know, really poignant bits about being lonely and growing up and how exhausting uh, dating and dating apps and, you know, trying to meet people online is. Um, and I, I kind of finished this having massive amounts of sympathy for the millennials that are doing this in my life, as opposed to just being bitter about them being at least 15, 20 years younger than me. Yes. <laughs> um it is it's done amazingly well, hasn't it, this book? Yeah. It's been it's been hugely successful. Hugely successful. Well of course the thing is as well is because she's had so many years as a sort of agony aunt as a journalist, um, you know, these sort of stories of agony and pain and you know, new love and uh, and all sorts of stuff are, have just been at her fingertips for so very long, you know. So there's she's got this wealth of real experience and this you know but and this this fantastic writing style as well and um yeah it's just it's it's put together perfectly let's go now to number five and this number five is by a man uh who well he's been sort of um yeah. How can I put this? He's he's not been front and centre for four years now because someone else has been front and centre for four years. <laughs> uh, but that someone else uh, seems to be on his way. It's uh, the new book from Barack Obama. It's called Promised Land. It's the first of his memoirs. Uh, so I think there's going to be quite a few of them. Barack Obama, he, when he comes across in interviews, he's such a warm person. He's a great communicator. So as you'd expect, the book reflects that. It's not com- It's not written in... Um, oh, uh, it's not overly written. You know, it's not hard yeah, yeah. to read. It's... It is it's this would go I tell you what this would go really well as an audiobook because it just feels like you're having a chat with a lovely man who has done some incredible things um now this is obviously politics out of it because I don't want to be on you know pro barrack or anti barrack but he just is a very compelling uh, man and he talks about almost the mundanity of the job of being president you know every day um sneaking yeah. off for cigarettes sneaking off for cigarettes 
Oh, yes, he does, kind of, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah an unlikely kind of smoker. Yeah, um, going, going to play pool every evening. He talks about his routine. And every evening at 6pm, he'd go downstairs and play pool uh, with one of his guys, like one of his junior staffers. So can you imagine being that junior staffer who had access to the president for like an hour every evening? <sighs> But I think this is what the Obamas, I mean, you know, becoming from Michelle that was out, so Michelle Obama, which was out, I said that like she's my mate from Michelle, you know, she just, yeah. <laughs> uh, in 2018, it, you know, I think this is what they are so good at in terms of their communication skills. They make, um, they are, they are, they are able to just keep us knowing that they are human beings. I, I love their relationship and I love how yes. they reflect it. It's so nicely done. Who are we buying that one there for? Maybe my dad. Maybe a dad. Maybe yeah. uh, maybe a Tom Price. Is that what you oh, would yeah. like for Christmas? Are you trying to tell me that that's what you would like for Christmas? <laughs> well, are, we doing, are we doing that now? I've got it and I've read it, but you can buy it for me again. Signed for this one would be nice, please, if you would. Okay. Uh, one of my highlights this year, um, and it was very emotional and it was a very moving moment for me, was when um, I got to chat to Dr. Yusuf Salam and Ibiza Boy. Um, they got together. Ibi is a a, a young adult fiction author already, um, and she had known Yusuf Salam, who was one of the Central Park Five, one of the now exonerated five. And uh, what I didn't know, right? And when the five lads were convicted in the courtroom, he stood up in court as a fourteen, fifteen-year-old lad and recited part of this of this verse that he'd already constructed in his head about injustice um and it is it is literally it's so incredible it's so powerful it's so uh, life affirming about the power of art to heal um and we got to speak to him and ibby is just fantastic and she's you know she's a really established author and she she was she's really let you know yousef obviously take the shine for his writing most of which this is but i think if you have uh, with you know uh, the black lives matter movement and what's been going on in the states and around the world if you have a young adult a teenager my teenager Edie could not put this down she could not put this down um and um it's written in a style that lots of young kids will understand and will relate to um but it is shocking in as well as in equal measure beautiful and hopeful um and we we i got to speak to them both and i have to admit i had i had a little bit of a cry tom afterwards because you know really? when you just go i cannot believe that this happened to such um a young group of of men of boys at yeah. the time that in my 14, lifetime did you say he's 14 yeah. and he wasn't he was one of the 14 15 he was one of the oldest as well um yeah. so it's but it is it's e- it's it's an easy read in a lot of ways as well and if you have got a you know a sort of aware teenager or you know this would be the perfect book and it's one of those books that really opens gateways for kids and reading do you know what i mean yeah. it's yeah. like it's one of those books that you go yes that's it they're hooked which is great yes it's another also books like this are such an important sort of layer of sediment on their emotional crust. You're just adding in these recipes. Every every little book is another ingredient in this recipe of a person. And books like this are really important ones. I remember reading Sleepers years ago, similar stuff. Yes. Probably not as harrowing as that, but it was nonetheless very harrowing when I was about 16, 17, 18. And I got a very acute sense of justice and, and, and that sort of thing from that book. And if you can get your little people, and mind you, they're not that little when they're teenagers, but people like that in your life reading books like this, then that that's all to the good, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Oh. Okay, what's was that? Uh, was that you? Am I knocking? Them? Was that? That's you not me. It's not me knocking. 
Oh, I know what the knocking is. It's uh, Sinclair. Sinclair Mackay's back, isn't he? He's going to have the answer. I, haven't, I know. I haven't. I can't say. I can't say Sussex pond pudding. That's no. I can't. Oh my goodness me. Or a heart. A pig's heart. Wasn't that what you said? <laughs> can't say that to Sinclair. With some fried um, onions. <laughs> you actually no. You had a very good idea, which was love. I'm. I'm going to yeah. go for birth of a child. I'm sickly clueless as usual. Hi, Tom and Emma. I wonder if you've had a chance to uh, scratch your heads over the. Thomas Wyatt, uh, Elizabethan riddle poem yes. uh, that he composed a, a lot of poetry while he was held prisoner in the Tower of London. It was a kind of font of extraordinary creativity in many senses. But the answer to his riddle poem was this. The gift that is neither given nor received that he was talking about was a kiss, oh. which is probably not the most politically correct sentiment. But since it's Christmas, we can imagine it's a mistletoe kiss. <laughs> commiserations but the consolation is that there would have been a number of Elizabethans and Jacobeans who have been scratching their heads for weeks over that and (laughs) the various other puzzles coming out of the Tower of London too but with that a very very happy Christmas to you happy Christmas to you the nights are drawing in and we've got the perfect combination for nighttime reading for both old and young so number three and number two right are The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse by Charlie Mackesy. And then at number two, I've got Rupee Kaur and Homebody. Poetry. We're gonna have, I'm going to have a crack at talking about poetry. <laughs> good, good. But can you talk about it in rhyme? That's what oh, there was a young lady um, right. called Rupee. <laughs> okay. the, uh, the, the Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse. This book has been a uh, word of mouth mega hit this year yes um it is i mean you know it's hard to talk about these books without trotting out cliches it's it's heartwarming it's beautiful it looks gorgeous as well and we forget you know that i think the the phrase don't judge a book by its cover is one of the greatest disservices to literature ever said (laughs) yes judge a book by its cover judge a book by this beautiful picture of this little boy and his horse and the fox and the mole and and you will fall in love with the book just by the cover alone and then the story inside is gorgeous it's one of those books you're going to get given at christmas um but also i think for everyone uh you know you get every time you get given it you've probably given it yourself to six or seven people it is mag Magnificent. Over lockdown and the bizarre year that we've had, um, he's, he's, his Twitter and his Instagram feed have just gone crazy as well because he's taken uh, little clips and snippets out of the book and, and posted them up with almost impeccable timing sometimes, with, you know, with, te- with news stories about more lockdowns or more restrictions. Mm. And it's just been this little, this little ray of light. I've just had a look, actually, uh, Tom, and on his twi- Twitter feed today, it says, it, it's a little extract from the book and his horse. He says, sometimes all you hear about is the hate but there is more love in this world than you can possibly imagine. No, it's so nice. I know. It's It's awesome. It's It's awesome. And he's the illustrator as well, isn't he? Yeah, 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 absolutely. They're gorgeous pictures. They're sort of, um, they're almost Quentin Blake-ish-esque. In yes. The way they're sort of sketched onto the page. They they live so beautifully on the page. And uh, yeah, they're, they're fantastic. It's just, it's just one of those books, isn't it, that... that you know, you, you're as likely to give this to a nine-year-old as you are to a 75-year-old. It, it, it spans the generations. All right, number two. At number two is Rupi Kaur and Homebody. Uh, now, I this is this is a, a book of poetry. Uh, she is an incredible um, Canadian, Indian-born Canadian poet who has just sort of taken the young poetry landscape by storm. Um, and this is a collection. I think what's over you know, it's she's had a very traumatic past. It's very personal. It's 
very it's brutal it's in, mm. it's incredibly written it's delicate it's sensitive but what i love about it is if poetry is something that you kind of go oh it's terrifying ah i can't do poetry um yeah. it, it is it, it she breaks things up into tiny bits longer bits it's so easy to read it lingers with you you can come back to it you can put it down you don't you know it's not like paradise lost where it's going to take you a lifetime to understand the first paragraph do you know what i mean it's like it's it's literally mm. it's so digestible in little tiny chunks but um i mean all power to her um for being so open about her life and about her struggle with depression and i think for anybody who has struggled in this time with restrictions i know there's the anxiety levels are off the charts and i've certainly had my darker days you know it's been a really tough year um mm. this is a really interesting insight into her coping mechanisms and how she has managed it she's a genius writer you know i find it fascinating when we when we talk about novels and about books about poetry and all these different things how we reach out for so many different things sometimes mm -hmm. we're reaching out for escapism we want to fly away into a world of crime that isn't our own and sometimes we are we want someone to drill down inside us and that's what's happening there with this sort of poetry that connection that that takes us within our own selves and that we can empathize with and that we can recognize it's just it's all there isn't it it's all there and that does sound brilliant and she's she's an she's a, an illustrator as well, like Charlie Mackesy. Um, uh, so she's and it's uh, again sort of simple ink line drawings. Um, but when they, when, I think it's really interesting when writers are illustrators as well because they are, they obviously understand what they're trying to convey with their illustrations yes. better than anybody else. So they just seem to it's like are totally nailed every single time. There's no confusion about about you know trying to interpret it. It's just there because they've done it. Um, she's funny, a she's a hugely it? talented person, and um, I think she's made it into the sort of top 100 influential women several times well i spent too much i did english at university and i spent too much time trying to understand poetry and i think that's the big mistake everyone makes with poetry do you know what i mean trying to understand you don't need to understand it you need to react to it you need to feel it you need to respond to it you read it and it, it triggers things in your brain you don't need to turn around and look at what those things are that are being triggered you just need to feel those emotions i think that's you know i think poetry is due a, a resurgence in that way like a commercial resurgence well, I think, yeah, and um, uh, I, I think because of there's so many fantastic new poets and going back to punching the air as well, um, you know, whether that's slam poetry, spoken word, which yes. is, you know, more of a kind of, it's it's found its way into all sorts of urban environments, which is, which is amazing, you know, it's not just, it's not just the sort of educated classes that are reading poetry and, and words are being used in amazing, exciting, exciting forums and, and ways and, um, mm. you know, I've, my daughter who's 17 is not nearly as frightened of poetry as i was at her age because you know they're ta they're talking to you know rappers and musicians who are talking in verse all the time um yes. you know so it's it's very it's a it's a, yeah maybe that's the other thing about 2021 there looking forward um from the magic of poetry then to the life-changing magic of sheds this is the last book that we're going to chat about before we reveal our book of the month um dads oh my goodness me dads are so difficult to buy anything for just you know go just just stay safe it's um a, a shed a book about a shed is always going to be okay right it's always going yes. to be it's always going to be appreciated uh, and this year i'm i am contemplating buying this for my other half actually because this year we built two sheds with our own burrands oh, wow. is that his and hers shed it is a bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> who's got don't the bigger come one, near me should I ask? just you stay I stay out of mine stay out of mine <laughs> <laughs>
That's a very good idea. And what are you using the sheds for? Are they proper garden sheds? Because we know the lovely Jim Davis, one of the presenters at Magic, um, yeah. he has a shed that he broadcasts from. So sheds are not just for hammers and nails no. and, and, you know, workbenches. Now he's uh, one of them is is where he works. My other half, I'm even calling him he now. Is it's all he needs is a as a you know a sofa bed in there, and we're 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 done. We're happy. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's moved out into there, and then mine is a gardening shed. So I have it smells of old seeds, and it's got lots of um you know old toilet rolls in there, and bins of bulbs and stuff like that, and I can happily spend hours in there doing it's- not a lot. There's brilliant philosophy to sheds, you know. There is brilliant because the shed, right, is that's the truth of what we really want. <laughs> on 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 display externally, we want bigger houses, we want bigger cars, we want more space, we want impressive land, we want yeah. we want we want all these big things. The reality is, what our real people want inside of us, the real humans inside of us, we just want a tiny little snug where we can have two or three of our most important things with us. That's all we really want. That's why sheds are brilliant. I, I couldn't have said that. I don't, there's nothing else to say. That's it. That is it. That is it. And that is yeah. a shed poem. <laughs> <laughs> that leads us very nicely then to our book of the month and a book that's perfect for everyone and anyone you love. It is The QI Elves with Funny You Should Ask. And what is that? Do I hear the pitter patter of tiny elf feet? Yes, it is. It is. It is the pitter patter of elf feet. Welcome to the Magic Radio Book Club podcast. It's Andrew Hunter Murray. How are you? Are you? How Christmassy are you on a scale of naught to a thousand? Uh, 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 oh, <laughs> to a thousand. God. Um, well, it's pretty early, but I'd say um, I'm already on several hundred. I think everyone's <laughs> getting there a bit earlier this year. I've had a stir up Sunday, so there is a cake in production. That's oh, yes. it, that's a, a true marker. That is one of the ben- it is one of the benchmarks of feeling festive for certain. Now, uh, Andrew, you're here to talk about your amazing book. Funny, you should ask. It's our book of the month. What can you tell us about it? Well, it's uh, it's called Funny You Should Ask. It came out of a show uh, on Radio 2, which we do, uh, which is called uh, The Why Workshop. And every week, Zoe Ball gathers some questions from her listeners. And the questions are about pretty much everything under the sun. Uh, and we try and answer them. So they're <laughs> things like, why is bacon the only meat that comes in rashes? What's on the other side of my belly button? Very terrifying <gasps> uh, conceptual question. Uh, so all these amazing questions, you know, why don't clouds freeze? How loud can something be? And we have to come up with an answer. And so we, we collated, you know, hundreds of these questions, thought of the questions we also wanted to know the answers to. And we've written all the answers up into a book. And there it is. <laughs> Is there a question, Andrew, which you still think about in your career as a question answerer, where you just think, oh, I just, I never got that one right. I'm never going to get that one. Well, sometimes there's no answer and that's very frustrating and we have to fess up to it. Also, fessing up on live radio is a nightmare. So, <laughs> Yeah, tell me about it. There's one about, um, in fact, we actually put this in the book. There's one about why dusters uh, are always yellow uh, or mostly yellow, you know, so kind of that classic yellow duster. And there are about four theories, all equally plausible, all with good evidence behind them. And at some point you just have to throw up your hands and say, we don't, don't know. I, don't know, mate. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is, right, about a question like why is a duster yellow, you just don't even know that you need to know the answer to that until you, the question is posed. And then you're like, I really totally need to know the answer to that. <laughs> exactly. Immediately, like, why is that? <laughs> That is the problem. Are you, Andrew, are you amazing at pub quizzes? Or are you one of these people, maybe like me, I know like Emma, I know for a fact Emma's like this. You, I, All this information I have, and yet if you sit me down and ask me to access the information, 
hopeless. Cannot do it. Can't go through the Rolodex and grab it from my brain. Exactly like that. So, I mean, I've been at QI for 12 years now. And I remember maybe the first fact I learned and maybe the most recent one. And that everything in between is just this wash of stuff. <laughs> I'm able to tell people at parties, oh, I think, I think that's not actually true. And then they say, well, what is the answer then? And then I, I can't remember and I have to go quiet. <laughs> okay, good. That's good. It's quite comforting. You just mentioned QI, Andrew. Of course, you are sort of, you know, lovingly known as a QI elf. How, ma- how many of them are you? And, and how do you divvy up the questions? Are there, are there specialists amongst you? Yeah, there absolutely are. So the number of us is kind of one of those weird imaginary numbers, you know, it completely varies. Some of us work a few months a year, others, are, you know, all year round in the fact minds um, looking for stuff. So it really depends. At the moment, we are uh, in the middle of researching a series, uh, the next series. So we're kind of at full strength. This is when there are most of us around. And yeah, we have, uh, we have a brilliant history elf called Justin Pollard, who, you know, studies history, his whole life has been a study of history and he as well as doing qi finds out you know all the background for historical movies or tv shows we've got some brilliant physics and maths elves um (laughs) and then we've got some generalists as well who are always you know useful i love the idea of them being elves because does that make sandy toxvig or stephen fry santa is that how that works yeah i guess it does it was it was from Stephen invented it. I think he just kind of casually said it during one of the early recordings, sort of mentioned ah. all the elves who were, you know, under the desk handing in facts. Um, and then it kind of stuck. So we're now in this slightly twee, um, you know, living in the toadstool together or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> nice. It's a nice image. It's a yeah. nice image. Um, do you have a personal favourite, Andrew? Do you have a, you know, like a go-to fact? Maybe you're struggling to sleep at night and you're lying there. Instead of counting sheep in your head, do you go through your favourite facts, like your children? Oh, I mean, it re- it, the thing is, it changes with the weather because it's it's whatever we've been finding out about most recently, and they're all, they're often quite unprintable as well. Or, um, <laughs> but <laughs> that's a different edition. That we I'd like a need. yeah, filthy QI book. Come on, that's next Christmas. <laughs> um yeah so it changes a lot i mean uh, i i did find out recently i really like this that flamingos um when they when they have uh, flamingo chicks when they breed they feed the chicks uh food that they would have otherwise had and the reason they're pink is because of the food it's because of the color the chemicals in the food so as the chicks become pink when they're eating this food their parents are going gray all the color is leaching out of the parent and into the chick isn't that crazy is that why oh my I'm gosh, beige? <laughs> that explains it. Too many sausage rolls. That is amazing. That's like the kids who went sun kissed orange a few years ago. That's what's going It's on. exactly like that, yeah. A lot, a lot of these facts sort of tilt towards animals, right? Because there's mm. so many different quirks and things going on. Do you have a favourite animal fact that springs to mind? I mean, you've already, to be fair, you've, we've done the flamingos, and I'm not sure. It's, it's hard to top that. <laughs> that is hard to top. Oh, it feels like I need more of a challenge. Is there a particular animal you would like to know a fact about? Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, spaniels. Um, no, okay. No, uh, spaniels, sperm whales. There's got to be a good whale fact. There's got oh, to be a good whale sperm fact. Whales. Okay, yeah. I, I do know a fact about sperm whales because I yes. think Moby Dick in the novel, he's a he's a sperm whale, isn't he? He's a great um, white whale. Yeah. Yes, a sperm yeah. whale. Go, go with that. And I think <laughs> that that story is based on a real whale, the story of Moby Dick, and the whale originally was called Mocker Dick. <laughs> A time. <laughs> I mean, what There's a is timely that music phone call. I, in there. I am so sorry. There's a doorbell outside this office, <laughs> and it's, it's not the mocker dick alarm going off. It's How not Christmasy the mocker. Is that? 
Okay, I can. Ju- it's stopped. I can only hope it's that is sort of permanently disabled. That was no. lovely to have a little punchline music. Elise, just a bit Wasn't of Elise there to help us along. That was beautiful. <laughs> Dear. So listen, this is what we're going to be celebrating Christmas with. Uh, funny you should ask. Thank you very much. Um, uh, what are you going to be? How will the, your average QI elf be celebrating Christmas? Uh, well, what a, um, we won't be able to have our traditional elf Christmas lunch uh, where we sit around. Oh, but can we hear about that? I'd like to know about the traditional <laughs> elf Christmas lunch. Come on, how does that Just happen? a lot of very pedantic corrections. We store up all the mistakes <laughs> each other have made over the year and we get, out, get it all out I of our systems it. at Christmas. Yeah, That's so funny. <laughs> elf fighting, elf wrestling exactly, on yeah. Christmas Day. <laughs> Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on the Magic Book Club podcast. Funny you should ask uh, is out in bookshops, all good bookshops for you to buy. I will be delving further into it, certainly over my roast turkey. Absolutely brilliant, Andrew. I just love the fact that you're like a fact jukebox. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> style it I out. Can just pop a quid in you, and you'll just give us a sperm whale fact. Boom! Don't even need a quid. Don't even need a quid. <laughs> <laughs> That was absolutely lovely, wasn't it? Thank you so much to Andrew Hunter-Murray. And that is all we've got time for. That is the end of the Magic Book Club uh, Christmas Gift Guide episode. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed uh, selecting some great book-shaped gifts for the loved ones in your life. Um, But we're going to be back, aren't we, Emma, in a couple of weeks? Yeah, absolutely. Join us in a couple of weeks when we're going to be looking back at the best of 2020, which I cannot wait for because there have been some absolute gems and you can plow on about meeting Ian Rankin and I can get all jealous over all over again. <laughs> <laughs> have I mentioned I met Ian Rankin? You did Dawn yeah, French, did. come on. Oh, yes. <laughs> we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Happy Christmas shopping. Enjoy Magic 100% Christmas. Put those Christmas songs on right now. Have a lovely read and we'll see you soon. <laughs> 